What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Shardog.com. My name is Sean Sheehan, and I am joined today by, I, I usually call him the Cage Warriors commentator, Brad Warren, but he's more than that now after his promotion uh, this week to uh, preview Cage Warriors 145, which I, I was talking to, to, to uh, Mike over in Shardog the, the other day, and I was like, this is one of the best Cage Warriors cards in a long, long time, and you know what? It, it absolutely is, so I can't wait for that. Brad, thank you very much for joining me. First of all, and congratulations on on the new job. Second, how, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. Um, yeah, as you said, a bit of a promotion. I'm now the Prime Minister of uh, the United Kingdom. It's uh, it's my turn. I think everyone <laughs> everyone every few moment, weeks so. they get a turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, basically just reducing taxes on Vimto and cans and takeaways, and that's that's my manifesto. Um, I, I I might no, move. I might move. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. Um, obviously, I've, you know, I've been commentating with Cage Warriors for a long time now. I'm working with them doing various bits and bobs. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be working in the media team. So, all you press guys are probably going to be getting pestered a fair bit over the uh, the coming months. And I'm going to be doing some cool stuff with the Cage Warriors Academy shows next year as well. So, really looking forward to getting stuck in. I'll be a, a nice easy start as well with three yeah. shows in three weeks. You know? Oh, oh Jesus, yeah, that's <laughs> always a nice way. I'll be expecting my gift basket weekly, so I'll come in there and can, can I just ask you before we get into the card about the Cage Warriors Academy shows because it's it, it feels like you know Cage Warriors is obviously a very good league that kind of feeds the UFC as we've seen with what is it a hundred plus fighters now are coming up to that anyway, but f- to for the say the amateurs are the maybe one and all two and all three and all fighters to kind of feed Cage Warriors also needs kind of a system. We see guys, like I'm here in Ireland, obviously, we see the FAI guys, especially in the Team KF guys, they want to get to Cage Warriors. So it's not just, you know, sometimes you might look at Cage Warriors and see it's just guys trying to get to the UFC, but there's actually guys trying to get that step to Cage Warriors as well. How important is it for Cage Warriors to have not only like the connections to the gyms like KF, uh, FAI, and, and I'm sure lots of gyms uh, in the UK as well, but to have the actual promotions that help feed Cage Warriors? Well, it's a trickle-up process, isn't it? You know, you've got to have a strong uh, amateur circuit. You've got to have a strong regional circuit. And then shows like Cage Warriors. And then obviously the top of the tree, you've got the UFC. And it's, it's natural progression, you know. We sometimes see guys try and skip a step. And it very rarely works out for any of those guys. Um, you know, the, the shows that have become the Cage Warriors Academies, uh, BCMMA in the Southeast, for example, or Pain Pit over in Wales, they're long-established, long-standing uh, domestic shows on the UK circuit because we had Shinobi in the Northwest uh, was the Northwest Academy and there's been Ireland, Scandinavia uh, and there is the Lowlands Academy which is Holland, Belgium which is just starting this year um, so they're all great hotbeds of talent and you know if you listen to the commentary particularly, particularly with the Cage Warriors prelims you'll often be hearing me saying you know this guy debuted in 2018 on the Cage Warriors Academy this guy had five fights as an amateur and all of those were on the Cage Warriors Academy and it just shows like Cage Warriors commitment to bringing those guys through um, and then giving them that structured path of progression up to uh, Cage Warriors world titles and then onto the UFC if that's where they're going to end up I, I, it's a great way of doing it honestly and it's it's probably like the same way it's always been done if we're being honest but just with more structure I was talking recently on a podcast about MMA and how it differs from other sports and it's that structure I suppose you know we see we were talking about Owen Roddy there a couple of weeks ago and you know he, if Owen Roddy was fighting today he'd be fighting in probably you know started off maybe in cage where it's gone to the UFC or gone to you know started off somewhere else gone to Bellator or PFL or wherever it might be and 
because of that structure that that actually existed and it's it's still not structured enough i suppose but the structure back then didn't really exist at all and you know no one was able to go anywhere so i'm glad the cage warriors have that with the the big cage warriors but also have it with the, the cage warriors academy shows i suppose um let's get into this card because it's a it's a very very interesting card uh from uh, from top to bottom and let's start at the very very top uh, and let's talk about paul hughes uh against uh, jordan Vucinic. let me look look at my notes here december 12th 2020 was the first fight they've both fought twice since both fought hinden both fought sharia and now they're back fighting each other again so it's uh, it's a very, very interesting fight. Go back and watch the first fight. I'm sure many people have. Vucinic won that one. A lot of people thought Paul Hughes won. I thought at the time Vucinic won it. I went back and watched it. I had Hughes winning. I went back and watched it again. I was like, that was very close. It was what it was just. It was one of those fights. But I, I'm going to ask you, Brad, about this. Is this one of the biggest fights in the history of Cage Warriors? Because... You look at it and you see, okay, you know, Paddy's had big fights, other people have big fights, but the fact that this is a rematch, and as we, we've just talked about there, you know, it's a trickle-up economy, I suppose, in cage wars. Usually these lads be gone to the UFC, and because, you know, the pandemic, and obviously with Dana White Contender Series, maybe it's a little bit harder, maybe they want people to go to Contender Series route now, and, and there's other reasons around it as well. And maybe both lads have been a little bit unlucky that they haven't been signed to the UFC but we're very lucky that we get to see this massive fight and they're lucky that they get to be part of it it has to be one of if not like the you know Paddy fights maybe you know maybe in Gary fights in terms of the name might have been a little bit bigger but in terms of the actual fight itself in terms of the quality this has to be one of the biggest in Cage Warriors history yeah I mean in terms of quality there's no there's no question about it it's, it's certainly up there and in terms of you know, the prestige of the fight itself, it's, it's absolutely one of the biggest fights in Cage Warriors history. You know, we've sort of been billing it as the biggest rematch in Cage Warriors history, and that, I think, is beyond any doubt, you know? And you could say, well, you know, that's a line straight out of the marketing department, but for me, there's no lies detected there. I think, as far as I can remember, it's the biggest rematch in Cage Warriors history, you know? Uh, you mentioned, Sean, December 2020, so we're two years in the making. Uh, a fight which I, I agree with you could have gone either way, um, scored by three very competent judges. Mark Goddard scored it for Paul Hughes. Uh, John Hand and Daryl Ransom, I believe, scored it for Jordan Vichenik. So three great judges there. And it's one of those fights, you know, very much like the one we saw recently with Sean O'Malley and Pete Yan. You probably go back and watch it five times and score it five different ways, maybe. Uh, super, super close. Look, Paul Hughes thinks he won that fight and he's got every right to. Jordan Vichenik thinks he won that fight. He's got every right to. But we've been asking now for two years what if there were two more rounds. Well, we've got five more rounds coming up this Friday night and we're finally going to see these guys settle it in a championship bout. And as you said, again, I don't believe in fate or anything, but this team's written in the stars, right? They had that crazy close fight. They've both fought James Hendenson and won. They both won the title in a really, really close decision over Morgan Charrier. And now they're going to have a rematch. I mean, th this is absolutely insane. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talked about us kind of being lucky to see it because, you know, maybe... People were thinking Jordan might have gone to the UFC. I've seen Jordan doing interviews recently where he said he thinks the reason he did not get the call-up to the UFC after that March fight was because it wasn't Paul Hughes that he beat. He thought all the eyes were on that fight. Obviously, there was a UFC London the day afterwards uh, in, in the same arena. And all eyes were sort of on Cage Warriors before that for Hughes Vucenic too. And he thinks because that fight didn't happen, 
people kind of just cooled off on it and thought, oh, we'll, we'll wait until he has the huge rematch. So he's got to be in his bonnet for Paul Hughes here thinking, you know, I, I could have fought twice in the UFC if he'd have made that date. Now, obviously, Paul also has a penis bonnet because he thinks that the belt that is currently around Jordan's waist should be on hip around his waist. And he's not happy being called the interim champion. He believes that he's the champ. He beat Morgan Sharia just like Jordan did. He feels he beat Jordan. He feels he's the champ. And, you know, there's there's every argument uh, in his favor. And, and John Vichenik has got an equal claim too. This is like the, uh, the Dance of the Dragons for Cage Warriors, right? Two people uh, with an equal claim to the throne and uh, they're going to start breathing fire and tearing lumps out of each other on Friday night. I suppose Paul Hughes will have to be the greens, will he? And someone needs to make that poster or like Eamon Targaryen and Damon and the other one or something like that. Absolutely fantastic. Do you know what? You make a great point there about Paul Hughes kind of believing he won that fight. And that can be a positive or a negative. You know, it can give you obviously the positives of thinking, right, this doesn't, I'm not set back here. I'm going to move forward. And he's had that. But honestly, like I, I, and I've said this at the time and I'm happy to say it again I think it was a big negative for Paul Hughes at the time I don't think he left that fight with kind of the right attitude but the the best thing that's happened to Paul Hughes is those two fights we just mentioned the fact that that fight didn't happen okay and the injury wasn't a good thing but the fact that there's been time there's been that two years he's not you know he hasn't been lamenting on that decision for two years he's gone in and got other fights preparing for this fight again and it's all, it's a new fight you know even though it's a rematch and I really really think that's massively helped him I, I, I find it very interesting because I think Hughes and Virginia are very similar very similar paths but like you look at both of them and go, who's making the bigger improvements? Who's better since the first fight? Who was better in the first fight? And it's probably like even along <laughs> along the way. Hughes has obviously, obviously had injuries through his whole career. Um, I, I think he was on Sanford MMA for this as well. So there's so many different inter- integers to decide like who wins this fight. Looking back on the first fight, I'm just interested to get maybe a, a tactical look at the fight for a second because Hughes... When the fight went to the ground, he had a massive advantage there. Now, maybe not a massive advantage, but a good advantage on the ground. And on the feet, you know, watching it back, he actually did a lot better than maybe we thought live. But Vucinic held his own and won portions of the fight as well. It'd be interesting because when when you started out his career... Everyone looked at him in that first fight. I think it was in Bama, maybe, where he came out and he... I was at Aston, Adam Gustav, he absolutely blasted him. And even when he came to Cage Warriors, he, he won his first... Was it two fights by submission or one fight anyway by submission? Everyone's looking at him and was like, okay, he's not just a striker. He can fight on the ground. And now it's almost gone to the other side of that where, you know, if use, if something goes wrong, even or, or if it's going right and he wants to change things up a little bit to make himself, uh, you know, a little bit uh, less, less easily read, I suppose, he can change it and move it to the ground. Whereas I think... If you look at the Vujinic side of it, I think he is a much more kind of, uh, and not more, but uh, if you look at himself now versus himself a while back, I think he's a way more structured, technical, uh, tactical fighter. And it's kind of that juxtaposition between both of them. I think if you look at Vujinic, he will fight the way he's going to fight. But I think Hughes can fight a bunch of kind of different ways. And that makes this a very, very interesting one for me. What's the kind of the, the reading for you? I'm, saying, I'm not asking you for a prediction or anything, but if you... How do you see this fight going? Because I look at it and I think, like if I'm in the Hughes, uh, in the corner of Paul Hughes, I'm telling him, okay, go out and strike. Don't be afraid to strike, but throw in those takedowns as much as you can. If you can, but he kind of gave up on him a little bit. It's easy for me to say he gave up on him. Vujinic stopped a few of them in the, that first fight, but a change, changing things up for, for Hughes is probably the big thing here because Vucinic is that very structured fighter, isn't he? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's very, very smooth, very, very technical on the feet. Um, you know, looking at some of the training footage and stuff, he, he seems to have been really looking at his power. And, you know, he's been talking a lot about getting a knockout here, getting another big finish, the, the likes of which we saw uh, against James Ending. Now, whether that's just trying to bait Hughes in a little bit, trying to make him think, yeah, he's going to be coming out looking to take his head off, whether it's a bit of gamesmanship, who knows? Um, but, you know, he's looking very big very strong at the way and we know how smooth his striking is anyway uh, you look back to his last fight though and there's a wrinkle in it because you expect him to beat James Hendon by the typical John Richard game plan high output keeping him at range using those long shots the straight shots and the combinations and then he jumps on Hendon's back Hendon the wrestler the judoka and he jumps on his back and chokes him out in one smooth motion so you know, we're seeing an evolution with both these guys. So we don't know what tricks Jordan Vucenic has got up his sleeve. Paul Hughes, uh, as you say, he's been training elsewhere. He's, he's gone over to, um, I can't remember what it's called now, but formerly Sanford MMA. Kill, I think it's a new name, hasn't it? Killcliffe MMA, isn't it? That's the one, yeah. Um, and, it, and interesting as well, you know, Jordan Vucenic's kind of come out and said, well, why do you not have faith in your own team at home? Why are you having to travel around to all these places? Trying to get in his head a little bit there. You know, from Paul Hughes' point of view, he's just leaving no stone unturned. He's saying, look, I'm going to go and get the work in with, with good guys everywhere. Obviously, he has a good relationship with Ian Gary, who's, who's been training out there. Uh, so I'm sure that's probably what led him out there in the first place. Um, you know, he, he's he's put in the big camp for this one. He's, he's put all his eggs in this basket. Uh, and, and I can't wait to see it. I think in terms of strategy, yeah, you know, for Hughes... He's, he's got to use his power on the feet. He's got to use that kickboxing background, but he's got to mix those takedowns in as well. He's going to be super careful, though, because we saw from Vucenic last time, he's also got a few uh, tricky submissions in the bag, too. I can't wait. It, it is one of those fights where you're just, uh, you know, we'll be salivating, waiting for that one to happen. And as you said, I've been licking used COVID tests again to see if I can get out of working. <laughs> I just want to watch it. I want to sit in the back with a couple of cans and, uh, uh, and uh, just watch this as a five fan. Obviously, I unfortunately missed the uh, the Italy show due, yeah. to, due to COVID. I had a great time watching that show. I should watch Cage Warriors more often. It's brilliant. Yeah, it, it, um, is, it is good to watch, to be fair. The only thing you don't <laughs> you don't get is, is your commentaries. <laughs> that, that, that's that's true. I can talk to myself, I suppose. Just you the can, back. I, well, you, I suppose you're the only one who got your commentary for that one <laughs> so it's, uh, it's it's good uh, I hope how you're feeling though I, I had it around the same time as well it's it's tough to fucking recover from it are you feeling good or how are you feeling yeah the, yeah, I'm alright still got a bit of a cough but the voice yeah. is back so we're good yeah that mute button will be handy on, uh, <laughs> on yeah. the next editor. I want to jump uh, I want to jump to Auburn Elliott because I think Auburn Elliott is a guy who just deserves a lot of respect for what he does and the way he takes fights and the way he fights like I spoke to him, I think maybe before the George McManus fight or maybe just after, and obviously just uh, prior to the Matters for the Meanest loss. And the fights he's taken since, you know, taking Matt Bonner, t- t- first of all, taking the George McManus fight on the way up from Lightweight, taking the Flaminas fight in his, what, fifth fight, taking the Matthew Bonner fight, f- supposed to fight Daniel Skubinski in his fight. I'm like, this guy is insane. Like, what how is he, why is he taking all these fights? And obviously that fight uh, fell out and he's fighting, uh, he's fighting Sean McCormack now, uh, isn't he, from uh, from Ireland. And he's another good prospect. And I know the lads in the Ultra Angle uh, over in Sierra May always uh, talk about the, the kind of the next up and coming crew with the likes of, you know, himself and Troy Gibson and others as well. And he's two and one. You know, it's it's probably more of like a step that Auburn Elliott should be taking around this stage of his career than what he has been taking. Although, you you know, on short notice, you'll have to make Auburn the favourite. And it, it will be a good fight uh, as well, having said that. But just a quick word on Auburn, because uh, I wanted to mention him from, from close to the top. 
he's an old school fighter, really, isn't he? A guy who just will take on all comers. You know, I talk to say lads like Peter Queeley and Artem Labov uh, in Ireland, obviously about it, and you know they're saying records are for DJs. Let's make the hard road, and we'll eventually get the top. And you know, it's worked out well for for both of those guys. Uh, and it looks like Oban is trying to take the same route, to, you know, to to get there. Just to, for you to to kind of. I've now been part of the Cage Warriors Academy, we've been part of the main Cage Warriors as well, to look at a guy like that, who you can kind of, when you're commenting on him, you can say, he's fought this guy, this guy, this guy. It must give you, uh, it must make your job easier because you know him. Like, he's been exposed in good ways and bad ways, I suppose, as the fighter he is and as the, the kind of the man he is, I suppose, by taking these fights. And it must be a joy. Yeah, you know, Oban Elliott is a real fighter's fighter. Uh, he's got a bit of everything. He's obviously, you know, what he can do in the cage is, is beyond reproach. We know how good he is. We've seen him fight. Uh, he's got everything outside the cage as well. He's got the right attitude towards training, towards competing, and towards promoting himself. Let's let's be honest, right? You know, he's uh, he's very charismatic. He's great on social media. You know, walking out to Gangster's Paradise now, perfect walkout tune for him. Uh, he's, he's, he's the whole package. And um, as a fight fan, as a commentator, whatever else, he's the kind of guy I like to see. Now, look, there's things to be said about taking things slowly, you know, slowing down, taking a step back, taking the right fights at the right time in your career. But some guys just want to fight. That's all they want to do. They want to fight the toughest guy, uh, the, the hardest opposition, the biggest test for them personally out there. And their attitude is, well, if I can't be that guy, why am I here? And, you know, well, we've seen Oban go out and, uh, you know, he's only losses it to Figlak and Flaminas. Flaminas, you know, top of the welterweight division for my money in Cage Warriors, Figlak uh, now in the UFC. Um, so there's no shame in those. And, and we, we know at lightweight as well against Figlak, he had some you know, pretty serious health issues going on related to his weight cut as well. Uh, that's all behind him now. And, and he's, looking to, he's looking to the stars here. Uh, the fight against Kabinsky, when I first heard that, I was like, wow, this is, this is nuts. You know, it, it's, you've gone in and you've beat Matt Bonner, the former middleweight champion, really, really good fight. And he's just not stopping, you know, and he's now fighting the guy um, that Jimmy Wall had just fought. You know, this is, this is absolutely nuts for Oban Elliott. Uh, of course, you know, really unfortunate that that fight hasn't come through. So what does he do? He goes, oh, I'll fight a middleweight then. And he's fighting the middleweight now. I mean, you, you can't fault it, can you? You know, this is this is a proper old school tough guy, a real gangster in my money, and I'm really looking forward to this fight. I, I almost forgot the middleweight part because we were just talking about George McManus. I remember when we did the preview, we were like, do you know that's going to be a big test for him coming up to fight a big welterweight? And George McManus, and now he's fighting the middleweight. God Almighty, what a fighter! But yeah, I had to mention Oban starting it out there. Next one I want to talk about: Kenan Locker and Luke Shanks, because like this, this really could be. Main event, co-main event, um, maybe not in this card, obviously, but with the with the two titles up for grabs in in the in the main event. But what another guy? You know, you looked at uh, a Ackerman and you saw you know the, the early names on, on his uh, on his ledger, obviously being you know the, I suppose the journeyman in in UK MMA, and he got uh, you know Will Cairns and uh, and Reece Reed, obviously, and he got a, a bit not necessarily abuse for that, I suppose, but are like, oh, is this guy a real fighter? And he comes in and he into Cage Warriors, he has a couple of real fights, and now in his seventh fight, he's fighting Luke Shanks. So I think uh, I think that talk is is absolutely out the window here. Is it a bit too soon for Kaelin Locker? And I suppose that's the biggest question here because he doesn't think it's too soon. You know, he was saying the other day he wouldn't mind fighting Mohamed Makayev. <laughs> he went up to, to 135, he got to the UFC. He has great, um, you know, he's great confidence in himself. But Luke Shanks is, 
no easy fight. You know, he's been fighting for a long time, fought some of the biggest names in Cage Warriors, and now even, you know, like to Jake Hadley and stuff in the UFC. This is a very, very interesting fight. It's, it's one of those fights that I'm sh- I don't know if you were the same, but when it, when it came across uh, my Twitter or wherever it came, I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, that fight's happening. I could, I actually couldn't believe it when I saw it. But by God, I'm I'm dad, uh, damn glad it's happening. It should be a, it should be a very, very interesting one. Is it a bit too soon for Kalen? Uh, 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 how much are you looking forward to this one? Because it's uh, big up to Shanks as well. Because I know like there was talks of Shanks going to the UFC, and now he's going in taking on one of the biggest up and coming prospects in in cage warriors. It's a massive fight. Well, look, you know, Kellen Lockman's one of those guys who, uh, you know, if you asked him, does he want to fight Jose Aldo or Peter Yan or something like that? He'd be like, yeah, sure. No problem. I'm going to go and beat that guy and I'm going to go and make him my pitch. And then I'll be fighting for the UFC title next. That's the kind of guy he is, right? He's like Oban in that sense, that he will just fight anyone. And he's got that incredible self-belief that he can beat these guys. I think, uh, you know, what, what you said about his early opposition is fair. But there's nowhere to hide in Cage Warriors. And he got another top prospect in his first fight, beat him second round comfortably. And, you know, Festus Aholu, for me, that was the real watermark test for him. You know, that, that was the real, let's see where Kenan Lotrin is now. And for him to beat a hot prospect like Festus, who I really, really rate really highly, for him to do that in the manner that he did, a big moment as well in, in Belfast earlier this year uh, to get the crowd behind him in the way he did. That was, that was a phenomenal performance. So I don't think it's too soon at all. Um, I think it's a risk for him. In, in the, it's a calculated risk, you know. He probably could have fought a guy with a, a similar amount of experience to him, but he's going for the big dogs. And when it, when when you make a gamble like that and it pays off, you know, all of a sudden you're king of the mountain. We've got a new cage warriors bantamweight champion at the moment, obviously Michele Martignoni uh, beating Don Wooding. Uh, just a few weeks ago. So this division is wide open now with Don Wooding leaving. So every win for a guy like Kayla Lockman now, it's not just a chance to get another tick in the win column on topology. It's a chance to kick that door through to a title shot. So I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's too soon. Uh, I think Luke Shanks is the best opponent he's, he's faced by far. Um, you know, Luke Shanks, former Cage Warriors flyweight champion. He split a pair of bouts with Sam Creasy, who's the current flyweight champion. Controversial circumstances. Uh, had to move up in weight for a former title ch- challenger in Josh Hughes last time out. Gave an incredible account of himself. He's one of those guys who he's kind of, he's got the height of a flyweight and the width of a bantamweight. That's how I always like to describe guys uh, like Luke Shanks. If there was a 130-pound division, he'd be absolutely perfect. He'd slot in nicely. Um, but I don't think he's out of place at all at 135 pounds. Uh, and again, you know, this for him could be his ticket to a Cage Warriors title shot. You know, we, we don't know if Martignoni is going to compete on the Europe versus USA card uh, on New Year's Eve or whether that's going to be uh, something we see in 2023. But either of these guys with a win here and an emphatic one immediately throws the hat in the ring for a title shot. Yeah, and it's interesting with the fact that Wooding has gone to PFL as well. I suppose it kind of opens a spot to go to the UFC because there's always like, if a guy, let's say the featherweight fight this weekend, like the guy who wins will probably go to the UFC and the guy who loses will probably take, you know, two or three more fights to maybe get back there to get there. You know, if that space opened up, there was room for someone else, I suppose, and that's the way it is at 135, and it's a big opportunity, I think, for both of them, but for Caelan, if he goes 7-0, and all, you know, looking at it from the Irish MMA side, uh, I suppose 
it could be to the moon because not only uh, you know is he a very good fighter, but as you said as well, his personality, just like Auburn Elliott, I think both of those guys are kind of. Well, we always look at Cage and go, "Who's the next Paddy Pimblett? Who's the next, uh, you know, Ian Gary? Who's the next Paul Hughes?" And like, did those two lads? Uh, no, I don't want to put the the kibosh on them or anything, but those two lads to me look like some of the leading contenders uh, at the moment. But very, very interesting. We're going to have to. And rush you, look, you know, you look behind those guys as well. Just quickly, mm-hmm. you've got your Reese McEwens, your Nathan Fletchers, and your Kingsley Crawfords. So yeah. There's a lot of names in this division at the moment. So, like you said, that, that bantamweight division wide open. Brilliant. We could spend four hours on, on this card, I feel like, so we might have to rush through a few of them. One I don't want to rush through, though, is James Sheehan versus Jim Richardson. The co-main event, or, or you know, possibly the co-main event anyway. I'm sure this card will be moving around a little bit before it, it happens next week. James Sheehan is the type of fighter, I think, in other promotions, he'd probably be buried on, like, the first fight at night or the second fight at night, and people wouldn't realise how good he is just because maybe he's lost a couple of fights obviously lost to uh, Ian Arian was a map honour in, in the start of his career but God almighty he's looked so good in his fight since and fought some good guys and he's coming in here against Jamie Richardson who's been around for a long time I was looking up Jamie Richardson he's only he's only 26 years of age is he? That is that to me is just crazy because it feels like he's been around for 26 years <laughs> but, uh, a massive fight for James Sheehan and it's great. Do you know what's great as well? That you see a guy and he did lose the fight. You know, you, he lost the fight to Ian Gary. And you're thinking, okay, Ian Gary is going to move on. And, you know, but forget about James Sheehan kind of attitude. But he hasn't been forgotten about. And he didn't forget about himself. And he's really, really progressed in his career. Watching him. The last, it was in Belfast, wasn't it? The last time he looked so good. And uh, put him into a fight against Jamie Richardson. I don't think it's it's rushing him. He's had that experience. You know, usually for a guy like this in his, what, fifth or sixth fight or whatever it is, you're thinking, ah, this is a, you know, this is a step up, maybe. Um, and it's his, sorry, it's his eighth fight. But the fact that he has fought the likes of Bonner and the likes of Ian Gary, it's actually not a step up. He's fought lads uh, as good, if if not a step ahead, even of, of Jamie Richardson, with all due respect to him, before. This is a very, very interesting fight, isn't it? And it's, uh, it's a big one. You know, obviously a little bit biased to our Irish MMA. Big fight for Jamie Richardson, but a massive fight for, for James Sheehan, who's on the rise. Yeah, you know, James Sheehan, you know, you've got to remember as well, he had a, a very successful amateur career. I think he was... Uh, eight and one uh, as an amateur, so somewhere around that level as well. So you know, fighting a guy like Matt Bonner in his first fight, that's not out of the realms of possibility. And Ian Gary in his second, and, and I believe that was Ian Gary's one of his pro- first pro fights as well. So you know, he met, he, he just had the misfortune of running into two really good guys early in his career. And when you fight high level guys, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I'm sure he could have gone out there and found seven or eight bombs and had their nice big unbeaten record. But what does it really mean? You know, going out there and fighting Ian Gary and fighting Matt Bonner, neither of whom finished him, by the way. Uh, he's going to learn a lot more from those kind of fights. And that's exactly what we've seen from him. Uh, he's on a four-fight win streak, I believe, now. Uh, last time we saw him was in Belfast. Uh, got a nice uh, TKO victory there in the second round. And, and you just love to see that development. You know, a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable, a little bit calmer, more used to his surroundings every time out. Um, now, you know, he's kind of jumping uh, into the deep end with Jamie Richardson because Jamie's a wild man, right? We've seen him have some crazy fights. Uh, you know, one, you go back and watch the Phil Wells fights. Uh, he fought Phil twice back to back. Absolutely nuts. Uh, he took two rounds off Natias Frederick in a title fight before he got caught. You know, he's been in there with some big names. He's been up there 
you know, at the highest level of the Cage Warriors middleweight division. He's back down at welterweight now, uh, and I believe he's 2-0 and since moving back down, possibly 3-0. and um, I shall have to check my notes before fight night to confirm that. But either way, he's on a bit, bit of a streak here uh, at welterweight. I think it's the better division for him. As you say, you know, he's, he's only 26. It's not like he's 36 and still trying to cut loads of weight. He's a young man, and I think welterweight is probably the best division for him. Um, this is a wild one, you know. I, I believe it's, it's scheduled to be the co main event, uh, as far as I'm aware, as of this morning. Um, part of me th- was thinking, like, oh, they should put a palate cleanser between Hughes versus Vichenic, but there aren't any on this card. Like, you very, very rarely get them in Cage Warriors anyway. Um, but I think, you know, th- these two guys could go there, go in there, slug it out, and the, the, cl- the crowd's going to be at fever pitch by the time the main event rolls around. 100%. Uh, before we touch on some of the prelims, just to close out the, the main card as it is now, Lee Chadwick against Melissa Spakowskis and Medi Ben Lactar against Xavier Cedras. Look, Chadwick and Bukowskis, I suppose, right itself. Two big, beady men slapping meat in, in there, isn't it? Bukowskis coming back over from the UFC uh, against... And Chadwick looked phenomenal last time. No, he looked really, really good. Medi Ben Lakdar, if you don't know Medi Ben Lakdar, you should probably get to know him. One of the most exciting fighters in, in Cage Warriors or anywhere, I suppose, uh, around Europe. Fighting Xavier Cedras. I, I was looking him up, don't know too much about him. He's only fought once in the last, what is it, kind of six years since 2016. Came back and won a fight there last year so it's coming back in look Ian Dean knows a lot more than me and I trust his uh, ability to match make more than probably anyone on planet earth at the moment those two fights very interesting especially the Bukowski's Chadwick one but uh, anytime any Ben Lackner is there I'll be watching anyway yeah, Cedras, uh, as you say, he's, he's had a bit of a break from competing, came back recently, got a win. Interestingly, his last win before his break was Chris Bongard, who is fighting George Hardwick for the lightweight title in a few weeks' time. So potentially there, you know, we could be looking at, you know, a lightweight number one contender about here. You know, you have to think about Mehdi Ben Lakdar as well. He was supposed to fight Aggie Sadari for the belt a couple of years ago. Sadari uh, got injured. Uh, he was then supposed to fight Paul Redmond. Uh, Redmond got injured and and then subsequently retired. And then Sadari was matched with George Hardwick for the title last December, and then he got COVID. So uh, he's kind of been waiting for his shot at the title for a long time now. Uh, I think it's probably a good idea that you know he's having another fight before he fights for the title. But you know this could easily be a number one contender bout for me. I, I love Medi. If you're a fight fan, you've got to love this guy. He's just so he's a joy to watch. Um, and he's going to go in there and scrap it out with this guy. Uh, and for Javier to, to, to come in here and beat Ben Lakdar, big upset, all of a sudden everyone's talking about him. So that's going to be awesome. Uh, and as you say, Chadwick, Bukowski, it writes itself. Uh, obviously, Modestus um, had his knee blown out in this last UFC fight. It was that uh, sort of cut kick uh, to the knee. Um, you know, We never want to see that. He's had some time off. He's rehabbed that injury. So we're going to see if we get an upgraded version of, uh, of the former Cage Warriors light heavyweight champ. Interestingly, Lee Chadwick, former Cage Warriors middleweight champ, never lost his belt in the cage. So had a career resurgence at 205 pounds. Uh, again, we could be talking about a potential title fight for whoever wins this. 100%. Very interesting, man, card. I absolutely can't wait for it. The, the prelims, it, it feels like Team KF prelims uh, here with the two Shelley brothers and James Webb as well. James fighting uh, on, it's on short notice, isn't it, against uh, Paddy McCrory, uh, Adam Shelley fighting El Hajj uh, in Dai. But the one for me the, of the three Team KF guys, Ryan Shelley against Josh Reed, just like 
anyone knows anything about those two. I like a Josh Reed fight is another one. Anytime Josh Reed is fighting, I'll be there. Every time he fights, I'm tweeting out here. Josh Reed's fighting. Tune into Fight Pass and watch this because it's 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 always amazing. We, someone asked me actually, maybe I'll ask you this question. Someone asked me in the Q and A I did recently, what's the greatest fighting in uh, in Cage Warriors history? And I said Josh Reed against Nathaniel Wood. It's the one that popped up to me first. Maybe there's a maybe there's a few options. Maybe we get a few options this weekend. But uh, that fight against Ryan Shelley. It's just, to me, it's perfect matchmaking because Ryan Shelley obviously had a very tough fight last time out um, against, uh, God, uh, Matthew Elliott. Matthew Elliott, yeah. And there was a lot of talk about that, a lot of talk about the judging uh, and everything. Uh, And now he comes in here against Josh Reed. I don't think this is the sort of fight where we'll have much judging conjecture after. I feel like I feel like there's going to be uh, this one is going to be decided. You know, Darren Ransom and maybe Ben Carriage, whoever is there, can you know they can go and have a slice of pizza and, and if you're maybe turn this on. I'm not, I'm not sure they'll be needed, but big night for Team KF. But what a fight this is! Ryan Shelley versus Josh Reed. Yeah, this is awesome. You know, we uh, we always talk about um, both the Shelley brothers' traditional martial arts background, the the kickboxing, the taekwondo, and stuff. But you know, they're they're both mixed martial artists, and every time we we see them, we we see uh, how the games are evolving at Team KF. What a base! You know, if you're if you're on the Cage Warriors roster, uh, what a home base to have with with the likes of Chris Fields, Carl Pendred there, and uh, obviously Tom King doing the jujitsu as well. You know, they're, they're churning out some incredible prospects at the moment. Um, they're, they're training Daredevil for God's sake. They got Daredevil training at the gym. I I didn't man, know who he was to be honest. I was like, who's that? Who that guy? Was Chris well, listen, I, I'm a dog, so I do know. I do know who he was, okay. and it, that's that's a big deal. And I, I believe he's going to be there on uh, on Friday night cheering the guys on. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, but look, you know, Shelley last time out, uh, very, very difficult test in Matthew Elliott, who is a guy who can just wrestle you for three rounds, five rounds, 10 rounds, all, all day, all night and all weekend. Um, and for him to score points in that fight in, in the way he did, yeah, it wasn't the most decisive, you know, blowout victory, but he did what he had to do there. And he showed that, you know, in the face of an adversity like that, he can still come out and pull out a victory. He's going to have a very different opponent in front of him in Josh Reed. Josh is a guy we know he's got high level grappling and we know he's happy to have a tear up with absolutely anyone. So wherever this fight ends up, I think it's going to be super exciting. It's a really good reason to tune into the prelims on UFC Fight Pass, uh, along with the likes of Liam Gittins, who's who's opening the Fight Pass card. Uh, the first prelim is Liam Gittins. That shows you how stacked this card is. A hundred percent. That uh, Fasil Malik and, and Festus Aralio fight is going to be really, really good as well. But to, to close out, Harry Hardwick and, and Steve Amiable, and not to, you know, Mr. James Webb again, obviously the former champion fighting Paddy McCrory, only two and zero coming up. Mass, massive fight for Paddy McCrory but another massive fight for James Webb who's always I suppose on the verge of, of getting back into the title makes maybe one fight away from fighting for a title big fight for him but that Harry Hardwick Steve Amiable fight and another fight you're thinking like how has this maybe not happened before <laughs> you know it's, it's one that it, I think it makes a lot of sense you know obviously Harry's brother is the champion at the moment and they've always been you know obviously linked to being brothers as they would be but you know a couple of wins and, and he could be moving up that, that way as well like Steve Amiable is a guy as well you sometimes you forget like sometimes you, you see guys in cagers like oh they've been in cagers for a long time you know they're fighting very even maybe a Josh Reed and other guys are fighting very exciting fights maybe on the prelims are starting out the main card but then you look at the record of Steve Amiable okay he's 35 years of age now but he's won what his last four in a row of beat Jeremy Peatley last time out coming into that fight I was very high on Jeremy Peatley I think I might have given him as one of my best for a week even but you know after losing to, to Vucinic back in 2020 uh, you know 
the fights before that he looked pretty good with Mads Burnell as well you don't get much tougher matchmaking than that but he's gone on one four in a row looking really really good and even before that you know he has some big wins over likes of obviously Decky McAleenan was supposed to be on this card but he's, I think his opponent got injured and then he pulled out uh, as well because he was carrying an injury which he would have fought on but Steve Amiable is like it just a really exciting guy to put on the card but I think he even he deserves a lot more respect in that uh, as well because he is a very very good fighter and is, is a lot of good wins in a row and the same you know could be said for Harry Hardwick uh, three wins in his last four and the others uh, the other one is, is a draw since uh, three of those fights in cage wars obviously and one outside it but should be a very very good fight a very high level fight for the prelims yeah, absolutely. This, you know, this is another fight which, for me, you can stick. This is the co-main event of, of any Cage Warriors card. It's, it's a huge fight. Steve Amable, you know, he had that loss to Mass Burnell. Uh, that wasn't an ideal fight. He he missed weight for that. That should have been a title fight. He missed weight for that one, and uh, you know, it, it wasn't um, you know a career highlight for him as he, he's come out and said. Uh, and and the two defeats after that's a pretty good one. And of course, the champ John Vucenic, split decisions, super close, and either of those could have gone the other way, but still. He picks himself up. He dusts himself off. He's put four wins in a row together now. If he wins again against Hardwick, he's got to be up there, right? Uh, and if the winner of the featherweight title fight does go on uh, to the UFC, obviously, you know, you've got the likes of Morgan Sharia waiting in the wings, who's hopefully going to be fighting again this year. But Steve Amable's right there. He can put his hand up and say, look, five in a row, beating the top guys in the division, give me my title shot. And I think Hardwick, you know, he's coming in off a draw, that was fight of the night for me. Uh, that uh, that performance that he had he had last time, yeah, it, it was a draw, but it was one of those draws like McColgan Ben Lackdale, where both guys kind of win and will be booked like they won that fight moving forward uh, as as they should be. If he can beat Steve Amable and maybe get one more fight early next year, there's no reason why he can't be a Cage Warriors featherweight title contender by next summer. A hundred percent. I can't wait for this card. It's a great card for top from top to bottom. If you're listening to this maybe in, in the US or, or further afield and you're not as familiar with a lot of these guys, it, tune in for this one. It's it's not one to be missed. You will be seeing a lot of these guys in the UFC in times to come. And even if you don't, there's still some great matchmaking here and some very, very fun fights. So uh, I absolutely cannot wait for it. And I'll be, uh, I'll be tuned in. It's fr- is it Friday? It's on a Friday? It's not Saturday? It's, it's Friday. It's fun fight Friday, oh, my friend. I love it. I love Tickets oh. available on cagewarriors.com, <laughs> streaming live on UFC Fight Pass Worldwide. There we go. There we go. The professional himself. Brad, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Congratulations again on the new job. Looking forward to hearing your commentary. Pity Paddy Pimlo won't be there, will he? I mean, he was absolutely brilliant the last time, Paddy. I, I absolutely loved him. And, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got bills to pay, mate. Yeah. Three man boot, three man boot. But uh, thanks, Brad. I appreciate the time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. My name is Sean G and for Shardog.com. We'll see you all next time.